1: as much as he touts that he cares about it he doesn't
0: this is our revolution it's not theirs don't let them take it from you don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not it's ours and we will have it it is friday the 29th day of july the year of our lord 2022 i'm johnny anderson alongside bruce adams and the fan favorite but I will get to him in just a moment, Bruce. How are you? Healthy and alive. Yeah, um, I'm really enjoying
2: similar weather to what our um, UK friends regularly have, and that's
0: cloudy, rainy weather. That's uh, it's been a nice, Now, see, Bruce, it's a uh, change. No, it's it's hottest temperatures on record over there, and and they're they're melting. The, the runways are melting. We played we played it last week. London is on fire. London's burning. I think that was also a movie. It was. TV series. It was, it was TV series. I thought it was that thing with Gerard Butler or whatever it was, uh, L- London's Burning or L- London fall- London Falling or something like that. I don't know, whatever. But yeah,
1: anyway, yeah.
0: moving right along, somewhere between iconic and psychotic, Marty Foster. Marty, how
1: are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much for asking. It's um It's been a gorgeous day, a b- bit of cloud here and there, but mostly sunshine. However, not unreasonably hot. So it, it's been a very pleasant day. Thank you very much. How about yeah, you?
0: Yeah, yeah, here as well. I took a nice stroll today. Uh, saw some saw some cows. Walked past a couple of us, uh, you know, sidewalk cafe type things, you know, with the ice cream and the cake and the coffees and all that stuff. And yeah, I walked to a couple of shops and picked up a few things and saw a bunch of people wearing masks out in public, alone by themselves for whatever reason. People on bicycles, you know. I was I was telling somebody last night. Um, I, I don't know. I actually haven't told you this. I, I was able to get back into the gym for I don't know, however long it's going to be. They'll shut it down for you know, thirty days from now. But uh, I was able to get back in there and I watched this this. this guy on a treadmill, older fella was on a treadmill. And I mean, he was just, he was smashing. I mean, the the guy was really giving it his A game. You know, I mean, he was, he was huffing and puffing and, and just like ripping and roaring across this thing. And then he stopped, you know, his, his time was up, his distance was up, whatever it was that he was, he was doing whatever goal he he set for himself on the monitor thing there, he hit it and he was finished. As soon as his second foot hit the floor into the pocket, he went and out comes an N95 mask
1: on the face. There's indoctrinated, brainwashed. There's all kinds of terms for this. A cognitive dissidence. On a whole uh, new level, it, my friend. <laughs> on a whole new yeah. level. Yeah, we, we've see, we've seen a lot of it here in the UK with people still wandering around in masks. I had occasion to take an elderly person to the hospital just the other day. Uh, it was a private hospital and uh, the elderly person was being checked out to see if they were a proper candidate for cataract surgery and um, I filled in the paperwork for them sat down everything was socially distanced people were sat you know three four meters apart I was offered coffee and then as an afterthought the receptionist said "Um, uh, sorry I meant I meant to mention could you wear a mask please I went no I don't wear masks oh And then another patient behind me piped up and said, well, we're all being responsible. I said, no, you're not. You're being compliant. You've been lied to and sat down and not another word was spoken. It just, it's, it's, they were trying to tell me that it's, it's a requirement to be inside the building. It's not, it's not a requirement. It's a guideline at best. And even then it's a, uh, it's a misinformed, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's just bad advice to wear those masks. They do nothing, absolutely nothing. The woman who was sat at the desk wearing her mask. Five feet behind her was an open plan office. Nobody wearing any masks in those desks. Well, no, see, so, they, were, they were all vaccinated, so you don't have to worry about anything there. So you're you're fine. Well, the the elderly person I was with has been vaccinated twice. And they've declined the booster. And I did say, if you want to wear a mask, please feel free. Don't let me be any kind of influence. And they replied, no, thank you. I don't think I'll bother. Um, I can see today
0: that I saw a statistic out of the UK that's 30 million, the actual numbers, as in like the, the actual numbers, 30 million of your citizens have refused the first round of vaccines as in not this 3 million number that they're giving you not this malarkey they're giving you it's the the real number is actually 30 million and uh, that, even that gives me that gladdens my heart to hear that yeah and this well then this one will actually th- th- this one will make you even happier of the people that have taken the first round over 50% of them i think it was like 53% of them have refused any further jabs after that
1: yeah i i saw i don't know if it was one of the things No, it wasn't, actually. It was something that uh, a family friend had posted, and it was somebody else's uh, piece, Uh, and it was basically saying that the unvaccinated are about to be vindicated, because there is more and more uh, reports coming out, and it's becoming more and more clear that it's been an enormous confidence trick, that that was... I know you and Ned got into to not an argument as such, but uh, a misunderstanding about the word benign. I totally got what you were saying, Bruce. That the most benign thing you could think of was that they just needed the money, and th- there is no benign answer to to this whole mask wearing nonsense. They knew it wouldn't work. They know it doesn't meet any of the requirements to to stop viral, you know, material spreading unless you're wearing a full full seal face mask with a filtration system, it's not going to do any good whatsoever. Those little pieces of papery cloth are just to stop a doctor's spit getting in your open wound while they're examining you or, or performing surgery. That's their purpose. They will not stop anything else. As we've said before, and I think, was it Mike, our guy who's the air filtration expert? Yes. yes. You know. Um, you've got when you hold those masks up to the light and I I encourage our listeners to do this and I encourage you to encourage your friends to do this who might still be wearing the muzzle. If you can see light through it, it means the gaps in the material are at least 10 microns. The virus is approximately 0.01 micron in size. It's like throwing a handful of gravel at a chain link fence. Most of it gets through. And um, particularly where you've got people not wearing the mask over the nose, where you've got the panels at the side where they're breathing out, it just it just makes you uncomfortable. It just breeds bacteria in your throat and around your nose. Stop wearing masks, people. We talked about this last week, but I wanted to show you
0: this graph. This is from your Office of National Statistics in the UK. So this is the government's own report. This is not our opinion, or this is not an opinion piece or anything like that. This is just the UK Office of National Statistics. They listed COVID-19 deaths by vaccination status in England, just in England, and they reviewed 60 days, April 1st through May 31st. The first you're going to see on this graph, Marty, is the unvaccinated. The next bar you're going to see on this graph is the double jabbed and the third bar you're going to see on this is the double-jabbed and boosted, so the triple-jabbed. Those numbers kind of speak for themselves, do they
1: not? Oh, they they totally speak for themselves. I will caveat that, though, with the, the fact, uh, and we should mention this, just for absolute transparency, that the first group to be vaccinated were the over-80s. Then it went down decade by decade. And then there was all this encouragement to to get more and more people vaccinated to keep their jobs. So they were younger people.
0: That's when the uptake stopped, is when they went for the mandates.
1: But still, if it's either 50% or 80% still went for it. um, And there we can see that we've got 8,000 deaths of vaccinated people and only 288 deaths of unvaccinated people. And this is covid deaths. People are dying from COVID. So those figures from the ONS speak for themselves. I don't trust most of what comes out of the ONS because it's a government agency. So you still have to question why they would put this out. Maybe someone just pressed send when they shouldn't have done. They hadn't had time to doctor the
0: figures. No, Um, I, I don't think so. This is not this is certainly not the first report we've seen out of the UK government from the Office of National Statistics. Same thing with the Canadian government, the Australian government. They're not hiding the actual data. They're just not talking about it. They're releasing the reports. Of course they are. And then they're claiming transparency, but they're not telling anybody anything about it. They're just having the media run interference and they're saying the opposite of what the actual data is. We are and others like us. We're not the only ones. We are actually reviewing the data. That's what we're doing. And they're saying all the time, science-based, data-based, evidence-based, blah, blah, blah. But they present none. They give you talking points in the opposite direction, knowing that the average person out there, like the one I was mentioning that's got the mask on, stepped off the treadmill... They're not going to go and
1: look at things like this. They're not going to look at these reports. No, because they're happy in their own little bubble, their own little. It's funny. They used that word, didn't they? During the social distancing and separation. They used it in New Zealand.
0: And yeah, they used it in New Zealand, Australia and UK. Yeah, the bubbles. Support bubbles. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They want to stay in their own little bubble, and they don't want to believe. I've said this before, and I'll have to say it again. People don't want to believe that their own governments could be trying to kill them. They just don't want to believe it. While we're on the subject, my my favorite person who should be on our side, and I'm not sure when this interview was, there's a guy called Sean Atwood he got convicted of drug offenses in the US and did some serious jail time in the US and then got himself out turned his life around turned to journalism um and has done some really interesting stuff but he was interviewing David Icke you can't deny that David Icke has pretty much called everything that's that's happening and he was saying you know he he's made a career out of joining dots and you see the the dots and then working out where the next one is going to be is difficult if you don't know what the end result or the end destination is. Once you've either been informed, found out, or made a really good guess at what the intention is of these, uh, you know, the, the New World Order, the globalist elite, the Davos group, once you know what their intention is, you can actually predict where the next dot is going to be, and you can you can actually you don't need to join the dots up anymore. You can say, well, they're going to do this next, then that, then this. And I thought, well, yeah, David, that makes perfect sense. You're right again. Then he went on, and this is where, where he um rather upset me. He then this went the 5G on. The five G thing. Did he go into five G no, and- no, it's I mean, worse. No, okay. It's much worse. Worse it's than Much that. worse. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, aliens are harvesting the energies from prepubescent children through the paedophile rings on Earth. Hold on a second. Was he
0: speaking, and this is a legitimate question I'm asking, was he speaking metaphorically? Because
1: I've heard people use that metaphorically before. No, no, he wasn't speaking metaphorically. What he was saying was, it's, and again, he's right about this bit. It's hard to imagine that given how small, planet earth is in a vast galaxy uh, and and universe that there would be no other intelligent life somewhere and what he was saying was that that intelligence has cast its influence over the planet for its own purpose and it feeds off the energy of prepubescent children and it's the paedophile rings that basically i don't like that for two reasons one it's absolute nonsensical bollocks and the other is heaven forbid it ever gives a paedophile a defense in court it wasn't me your honor the aliens made me do it that's the problem with anyone who who is awake and speaking the truth and then mixing it all up and conflating it with absolute madness like that. So it started off as a good interview and turned into me ranting at, at, at the screen again. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it, it's it's like you said, uh, when you watch his interviews, he, he talks, he makes so much sense. And you're following along with it. And you're like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, yep, I've seen that. You joining that, that dot up with that dot. It makes perfect sense when you put it like that. And then he gets into the crazy, absurd stuff like that. And it's like, you
1: just basically, you you just
0: canceled out everything that you tried to get me to
1: believe. It's that that's turning people off. As someone who wants to wake those nearest and dearest to me up, because they've heard these things, because that kind of thing gets around even if it's not being shown on mainstream media it's it's coming up through a facebook video feed uh or something like that it's being put out there those are the ones that are really, really dangerous because they they stop people from waking up.
0: There's um, another possibility, just to just to throw this one in there. Maybe this is a little bit of a curveball. Maybe I'm reaching. I don't know, because I certainly don't believe any of that that, that alien stuff. And I, I, I'm with you. And I've said it here before. Bruce knows that I've said this before. The listeners know that listen to our morning show back in the day when we used to talk about space and, and all that stuff and all the different constellations and stuff that are out there. It's it's. In my opinion, it's, and I'm not a scientist, but I believe that it's scientifically impossible that we're the only sentient form of life and an intelligent form of life in the galaxy. I, I, I refuse to believe that. But. Do I think that they're like these uh, green-skinned or gray-skinned little alien things running around? No, that's that's crazy. Uh, and do I believe that they're mind-controlling people? No, I don't. But here's the question. The absurdities that we're seeing out of this, whatever this agenda is of the day, right? So the, the so-called elites, uh, whatever any of these, like the these uh, uh, these pedophile rings, any of that, okay? So if you look at these things that are even being run at the highest levels, if you look at those... And you, you take that, the absurdities that we're seeing out of the establishments. Is it possible, because I've said many times here before, is it possible that they themselves have created a reality where they actually believe that? I'm talking about a psychological issue here. Is it possible that they've created a reality for themselves where they actually, I'm talking about Gates and these people, where they actually believe what Ike is talking about for themselves? Is that possible?
1: Of course it's possible. And... When it comes to see the the idea of gray or green men is is just an anthropomorphization of whatever forms of intelligence might be out there. It's our own image being put on whatever is there and it, it might be completely different. What we're talking about is intelligence, something that is sentient, it doesn't have to have the same kind of body as we have. It doesn't have to have a body at all. I personally know, and I've explained to you why, I don't think I've done it on air, but I've explained to you why I believe that thought energy can travel vast distances without the aid of uh, of a telephone or a radio or, or whatever. So if I know that thought can exist outside of the corporal form, then intelligence could also exist without a corporal form. So they could they could believe this that there, there, there is a a pathway of things to connect up. Joining the dots again, that could allow them to do that, but it's just a a self-justification. That's all they're doing. That they know deep down, in 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 the very centre of their being, that what they're doing is wrong, but they make these excuses for themselves uh, to excuse their behaviour to themselves because they don't give a damn what you or I think. They are that self-centred. These utter narcissists, like Gates. Are that self-centered that he doesn't he doesn't th- care what we think about what he's doing, but he needs to justify it to himself. And businesses do it, industries do it. It's like at the moment, why has a, a little old lady and and these these figures are, are, are accurate because I, I heard about it today. A one-bedroom flat, hundred and eighty pounds per month just for electric. That's what the electricity company were trying to charge her. Um, I know prices of electricity are rising across Europe, but uh, I know you guys are having issues with uh, providers being closed and things like that. They're ramping the prices up, blaming everything on the war in Ukraine. And we know that there's ways and means that they can solve this problem. And the costs do not have to be put onto people who can't afford them. But they want the costs On those people who can't afford them so that they become absolutely totally reliant on government so that there's the control there's that cast iron grip around your entire life because the moment you can't afford to buy something or pay for something that you absolutely need then you have to have it as a handout you have to have it as a free gift and once you have it as a as a gift you're screwed you're, you're stuck. You're, you're suddenly in their debt. And you've said all along, you were the one who taught me and you're younger than I am. And I appreciate that you've taught me that money, wealth, you know, actual money doesn't create wealth. Debt is the only thing that can create wealth for these organizations, for the banks, for the governments. It's only when you're in debt to them that they start to get rich and powerful. Yeah, you know, I was wanting to get into a lot of that uh, WEF
0: stuff uh, here in just a few minutes. We're going to do that. But before we move on to that, valid points you made there, and we'll get to that in just a second. But I don't want to gloss over this before we move on, because the rest of the, what that discussion is going to take the rest of our time. Do you remember this sage advisor out of the UK named Professor Susan Mickey, Michi, whatever her name was? I think it was Michi, but yeah. Okay, I'm not, I'm right. not entirely sure. This is this is the individual right here. This uh, this woman right here.
1: Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. Um She yeah, she's been named uh, chairwoman of the World Health Organization's Technical Advisory Group for Behavioral Insights and Sciences for Health.
1: Yeah, she's also a communist. She's a a member of the Communist Party. I don't know if you watch many Bond movies, but she looks like she would have She's smiling there, looks charming, but To me, it just strikes me that she's got a poison blade in the toe of her her shoe. Uh Um, That's what she looks like. Yeah.
0: Um, I would like to play just a short snippet here. We played this last week, but I'll I'll play it for you here just to give you an idea of the people that get promoted to the World Health Organization. This was her doing an interview on Channel 5 about the restrictions. and, And mind you, this is the chairwoman of Behavioral Insights now for the World Health Organization. Professor Mickey, if I can start with you first, do you think that this this is going to be right? We've had so much hope on the vaccines, hopefully changing everything, bringing an end to the pandemic, bringing an end to these changes we've had in our lives. Do you think it won't be enough?
2: Vaccines are a really important part of the pandemic control. But it's only one part. Test, trace and isolate system. Border controls are really essential. And the third thing is people's behaviour. That is the behaviour of social distancing, of when you're indoors, making sure there's good ventilation or if there's not wearing face masks and hand and surface hygiene. We'll need to keep these going in the long term. And that will be good not only for COVID, but also to reduce others
0: d- at you a say time long when term, the NHS is sorry going... Sorry to interrupt, Professor McKee. Jen, when you say long-term, what do you mean by that? How long? Very quickly.
2: Um, I think forever, to some extent. <laughs> Why didn't you say that? Oh, gosh, forever.
0: Ever. She thinks
1: forever. We'll have to keep all these things in. Um, I don't care what she thinks, because she she's a deluded individual. She's a communist. I mean? she's... You see what I mean about yeah, the delusion no, no, of these no. people, though? But the thing is, she's being doubly deluded. She's deluding herself as well. She's a card-carrying communist. Now, anyone who's read Karl Marx and thought about living in a commune and everyone does their fair share and, and everyone gets taken care of, and it's it's a wonderful, there we are, communist manifesto. It's, it's a wonderful ideal ideology, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work because of human nature. People are naturally greedy. Uh, people do their best, but every now and again they they fall down, and uh, I mean fall down morally, and and suddenly they're they're not doing everything for the greater good, for the common good. So a card carrying communist doesn't realise that her knowledge and standing within the world of of behavioural science is being used as a control method by elite who don't want to do everything uh you know do do their equal share or contribute to a society they want to rule that society they want to lord it uh, over it they're in a position now where they can also quite easily get rid of billions of us they don't need us anymore all they want are the assets, the property, the land. They can still feed themselves or get us to feed them if there were a billion of us left because they're going to automate farms. We'll be eating bugs while they'll be eating what we've always eaten and, and what they enjoy. So she's a card-carrying communist who believes in, in everyone doing their fair share and everyone contributing and she doesn't realize who she's actually working for and whose agenda she's actually driving forward she might be extremely smart and have degrees in psychology coming out of her ears but she is as thick as a whale omelet she she is stupid because she doesn't realize she's being used so whatever she thinks she can stick it up her ass i'm uh you know i'm not even really sure I, I agree
2: that uh, the, the communist uh, perspective and everything that, that, that she has, but I'm not sure she's being used in the sense of un- unwittingly. When it comes to the, the people of the elite, quote unquote, that are in these positions, I'm not convinced they don't full well know what's going on and they intend all of this. Because if you're in that position, if you're smart enough to play the system you should be smart enough to understand that you're being used, manipulated, twisted wh-
1: when that happens. You could be right, but I don't think so in her case. These members of SAGE that were herded into Downing Street and sat around a big conference table, there were more behavioral scientists and psychologists than there were virologists and epidemiologists. And they've been dragged from you know anonymity, into the limelight, and they have suddenly getting their face on, on TV regularly and being mentioned in reports, and they've had their whole position elevated. Real scientists, you know, physicists, chemists, they don't look upon psychologists and psychiatrists as real scientists. And the reason for that is every mind they try and work on or work with is different and will behave differently there are no constants there are things that tend to meet the rules in most cases but not in every case so they they're not constants they're not they or they were not uh, considered that highly in the scientific world and particularly not in the medical world you know uh, a heart does this a liver does that a brain will function in this way a neurologist is something quite different from a behavioral scientist a neurologist knows whether or not that organ the brain and your nervous system is working or how to how to get it to work again but what she's doing is is telling it what job to do how it should work not the actual basic functions and there is no real science behind that everybody is different we are all individuals unless you're brought up in north korea of course part of what makes me think that she's full well knowing though she makes it
2: clear in what she was saying there that social engineering was the goal like that's part of the control mechanism for the pandemic is it social engineering, which as you said, that's not a true science that honestly, when you get into social engineering, that's, that's not ethical. You're, you're getting into a gray area there, which personally I think it's not ethical to, to socially engineer a populace, but I just don't know that, that that's my problem with all of this is I don't know. There's not a, you look at things and it's like, Okay, they could be being manipulated and, and uh, you know, their strings pulled, but at the same time, does it matter in the end? Because these people have pushed policies and trends like the vaccine, quote unquote, that have killed millions of people and maimed millions other, uh, millions more. Yeah, Just with all the data that we have, uh, you know, VAERS, it's only four to five percent of the population and it, <laughs> it's, it's bad.
0: I'd like to make a revision to something, if I may, uh, because I want to make sure we get this right. The statistics that I mentioned on the number of uptakes of jabs in the UK, I want to make a correction to that, just a slight correction, because I was wrong. 19 million. This is according, This report that was released just yesterday is rec- or is being reported by the UK Health Security Agency. So this is your official government report. 19 million in the United Kingdom remain Unvaxed and thirty million, which is near enough to about half, just a little under half of your your population. Thirty million have refused anything past two, the first two.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That sounds. That's still a damn sight more than the three to four million that they were mentioning in that fast that was portrayed as a um as a documentary that I watched the other day called the Unvaccinated. Those were all actors, um, by the way. Well, they they they. They were certainly paid to be there, but I don't think um, some of them at least were very happy with the way in which they were portrayed, the way in which the edit portrayed them. But getting back to Doctor, I use that term loosely, mitchy is she a doctor is she does is she got a phd
0: i i'm sure that she does professor is what
1: they were calling her on the interview i'm assuming well, yeah, that's yeah, that's who it is some someone who, who does anything professionally can call themselves a professor so you know that's uh, a shine. that's true
0: i'm sure um, that she probably has a phd if she's involved in in clinical psychology and behavioral psychology then she's probably yeah she probably has a phd
1: but but getting back to her there are um to, to bruce's point is she being used or is she absolutely complicit? I would say it's a bit of both. She is being used because she thinks she's getting something from it. She thinks she's achieving her self actualization, the 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 top of the um the pyramid. Uh, I've forgotten the name of it now. Come on. I taught you about this ages ago. I'm I'm losing my mind, aren't I? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Thank you
0: very much. My mistake. It took me a second.
1: I'm reading this this thing we're jumping to next. So go ahead. I'm just breaking myself. Go on. She thinks she's getting to a self-actualization where she's changing the behavior of an entire population so that they will accept a totalitarian rule. That's what she thinks she's doing because she believes in communism. The people who are actually getting all of this to happen whose agendas these are don't believe in communism for themselves but they believe it would be a really effective control measure for whatever amount of population they decide to end up with whether that's 500 million a billion or greater that's my point i think she thinks she's getting something out of it but she she's not because it's not a benign thing and communists Died in the wall, communists believe that that's the best way for people to live. It's not, in my humble opinion, and in most of our humble opinions, but that's what they believe. So I think that's where we are with that, Bruce. I can see that. Yeah.
0: Well, I suppose if you're going to look at the world through their eyes in that sense, then you don't have any assets, right? You don't own anything. Well, we looked at a report last year, Marty. I just so happened to have it uh, right here. Buried under some other things. Emerging pathways towards a uh, post COVID 19 reset and recovery. Do you recall this right here? Do you you recall this? This is when we first started talking about the World Economic Forum. As you mentioned in there, you said, all products will become services. What on earth does that mean? Well, let's take a look, shall we? Do you like having a car, Marty? You have a car. I love
1: having a car. Yeah, Yeah, I do have a car. car.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, you're not yeah, gonna have a, very a car. One. Yeah, yeah, you're not gonna have a car for very much longer. Why? Because you don't need it. You you really don't need it. There is a new paper out from the World Economic Forum, and they've said, "Is your car really necessary?" Well, they they really don't seem to think so. Is it necessary, Bruce? I sent this report over to you, and you can jump in here in just a second. They call for an end to quote, "I'm doing the air quotes," wasteful, wasteful private car ownership in favor of communal sharing to lessen global demands for precious metals and fossil fuels. Of course, they're going to push you into other things because we're transitioning, right? We're transitioning. We're getting away from fossil fuels. So they have to move you into something else that they have a monopoly on that are very, very scarce resources. And only the privileged are going to be able to to have those because they really don't have any other choice. They say that you will go from the model they're going to use is that consumers will go from owning to using. That's the way forward. The average car or van in England is driven just four percent of the time. This is according to the paper. I'm quoting from the paper. Instead of having vehicles sit idle, sell your car and walk or share because, quote, car sharing platforms such as Get Around and Blue SG have already seized that opportunity to offer vehicles where you pay per hour used, such as here on Continental Europe, they've got Uh, car to go. They've got, of course, you got, you know, Uber and Lyft, but those are not cars that you drive. But uh, these other things where you, you know, you can just go and you with your smartphone, you get the key and whatever, and you start and you just drop it somewhere and then it shows up on a map and someone else can book it. You know, you have your banking information in there. But anyway, the end to private car ownership is essential. They say it's essential and can be applied to everything from cars to private homes and even citywide design principles a design process that focuses on fulfilling the underlying need instead of designing for product purchasing is fundamental to this transition. This is the mindset needed to redesign cities to reduce private vehicles and other usages. Isn't that great? Bruce, what are some of these some of these things that we're going to have to sacrifice and and what are we going to have to transition to in order to have these the these vehicles that are essential that we're not allowed to own, we're going to have to use and rent as a commune as a communal thing i mean they're looking at any consumer good at all any any kind of
2: consumer good that you would get so um your car as you say uh, already stated that's going to be something that you're sharing uh you're going to have to share things like your computer uh that's something else that's going to be shared uh living spaces i mean they're looking at all things that you can essentially buy and own the The only thing that would be different is uh your clothing you would still have kind of your own clothing but it's not yours because when you're done with the clothing you're going to resell it and it, it's going to be uh what, what what's the phrase it's um there, there's a there's a term for uh, recycling, but it's not recycling. It's like restoring, Repu- yeah. upcycled. Um, repurposed.
1: It, it, no. It's like refurbish. Uh, yeah, it's refurbish. like
2: upcycling. I don't know. It's a new. Uh, it, it's not the classic terms that we use with refurbish and those kind of things. Like what we're used to, it's a, it's like upcycling or something like that. I don't know. It's a newfangled term that basically means refurbish. All these kind of ideas are are being pushed, and they're also pushing for something. Actually, this one I agree with. They're pushing for uh, longevity and and product. I actually agree with that. I mean, back in the day, you could buy, as an example, um, you you, you buy a vehicle and the vehicle lasts and lasts and lasts. They don't have plastic components in there. They're all, you know, metals and and things that are going to last a long time. And then if you did have a problem with those vehicles, it was uh, if you knew some basics on how it worked, you could... Uh, you know, get together, uh, put the car underneath the, the, you know, the tree and uh, uh, do it yourself. I, I would be fine with going back to, to that. But these other things you're going to share and not own. Now
1: nah, that that sounds awful, awful close to communism, doesn't it? This this longevity for products. When I first had a house of my own, I bought an Ariston which is a French model, no offence, washing machine. Now, one of the things they said in that that piece was, you know, you won't have a washing machine, you won't have uh, appliances, your food will be delivered, and it's going to be the, the bug food. But getting back to the washing machine, that Ariston was probably already six years old when I bought it for £10. It lasted a further 15 years without any other maintenance on it. and. That, to me, was absolutely marvellous. The next washing machine that I purchased lasted two and a half years, which is kind of ironic because that's just at the point where the fit-for-purpose legislation, as in how long it's supposed to last you, runs out. So, you know, you might have bought an extended warranty for 24 months, but then just after that 24-month period, the thing goes Tits up to corner phrase. And it's usually the electronics because the electronics can be programmed to fail at a certain time. Reliability centered maintenance is how things have moved ahead in big industry within the armed forces. They do studies on exactly when something is going to break down. So you don't have to do daily checks and maintenance. You just have to repair by replacement and swap out certain pieces of electronic hardware and other hardware you know other other parts of the system at certain times just ahead of when the studies say it is about to fail that's the problem that we have the cars as you were talking about being fixed my grandfather who i've mentioned before he drove old cars as as do i but at one point we had three of the same model in in the in the garden one we were using, one was being robbed of, of parts to fix the one that we were using. And the third one had already been completely robbed of, of every usable part and was now a chicken coop. So we had three of the same vehicle in, in in the garden at various stages of decay and one in full working order. Because back then, they were the kind of people who, who fixed things who were able to fix things. And if they if they weren't able to do it, they knew
0: someone who was. With the exception, I have to interject here, with the exception of a Morris Marina, I don't think there was any fix in that.
1: Well, the British Leyland Company, um, yeah, the Morris Marina, in fact, all all of the, the the Leyland cars were not terribly good. The car in question was, uh, I think it was called a Ford Henry, and it was one of those sit up and beg ones that you see in in films from the 50s and 60s, that was what he, he drove. The next car after the Morris Henrys all went was a car called a, Mor- uh, sorry, Ford Henrys, was a, a Morris Oxford, and it was the same sort of shape as an old Jaguar, and it had a walnut dash and red leather bench seats front and back, To me, it was the height of luxury. It was the oldest car in the area. Oh, man. If I could, if I could have one car, and this is no word, uh, and I don't want to get
0: down into this, but I just have to say, since since you're mentioning that, it just triggers me. Because if I could have one car, one classic car, if I could have one to own, you might think, oh, he's going to name a Porsche or something, you know, some classic German car. No, no. I would have a 1956 Jaguar Roadster with red leather interior and white wall tires.
1: Yeah. If I could fit in one, because they, they they weren't, they weren't enormous, oh, were top. they? The, convertible top. Oh, the convertible. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful car. Absolutely class for its time, precision engineering. But we're missing the point slightly. We're talking about sharing cars, about renting the use of a car every now and then when you need one, because most cars are only driven 4% of the time. But that 4% is very important to some people. If you need to get from A to B in a real hurry because you're uh, people who are dependent on you, um, you know, old people can live in their own homes and have a better quality of life than being put into a, an old people's home, which basically became extermination camps during COVID. If they've got family nearby who, on picking up the phone, can be there in a few minutes. You can't do that if you've got to organize a car, wait for it to be delivered, uh, go and do whatever you need to do. Cars are there for several reasons. Mm -hmm. They're they're there for uh, the good things in life, like a trip away, a nice day out in the countryside, a visit to a national park or a museum or something. They're there for the essentials, for getting your weekly shopping if you don't want to um, rely on it being delivered. During the height of COVID, you could not book a delivery slot from any of these um, services like the major supermarkets offer or the, well, the other ones. That's because you didn't have enough of
0: them. It's the same mantra as everything else. The uh, reason yeah. it doesn't work is because you don't have enough of it.
1: And, and your high street dies. So whereas before you might go to a specialist butcher, uh, a specialist greengrocer and shop locally using your car because you want to, you know, fill it up with what you want for the week or the month or whatever, and then get getting it all back home. So instead, just big business gets to enjoy your custom. The the big corporations get to do it and the high street dies. and, And look what they did. With COVID, with the shutdowns, with with the, oh, no, you're a non-essential business. Only big supermarkets can be open. No one can go in your shop. Just how disgusting is that? That's one of the dots. That's one of the real red flags that David Icke had pointed out. And on that point, he was absolutely right. So, no, I want to keep my car. I've got an old car that I can fix. It's uh, environmentally friendly because I'm about its third owner. It's still running. I keep it maintained. It it passes the emission standards every time it's checked on its uh, MOT each year. So, no. You know, I, I find it I find it interesting how they say that only
0: 4% of vehicles in England are actually used on a regular basis. You guys drive more than
1: that. I mean, I've been over there. You guys drive more than that. You have to. Yeah, we do. But at the same time, if you don't want to drive, unless you live in a very remote village, there are shops or used to be shops within walking distance, local small businesses. They're now being rapidly replaced by the big chains like the co-op, spa, all those kind of things. As the Tesco, I thought types of things, yeah. Well, yeah, you've got them as well, but you still have to go slightly further for those unless you're lucky enough to, to live right next door to one. So it's all a matter of, of – it's not a matter of choice. People do need their cars. Our local public transport system has got better of late, but it's still not an ideal way to do your weekly shop, is it? On the bus. Loads of bags, tiny seats and uncouth teenagers, things like that, on the bus. No, see, you don't have to do those grocery shopping days anymore, you
2: see, because you're going to have a living space of 250 square feet if you're a well-to-do family of four. So. You, you don't have any storage space for that food. So instead, what you're going to do is you're going to go get your mealworm dinner um,
0: at your local shop instead of having to go and, you know, or have it delivered straight to you. I'm sorry. I've got to mention this, Marty. You were talking about a co op and shopping, and mixed into this agenda is this anti uh, meat, right? They're trying to get rid of meat uh, and they're trying yeah. to replace it with this insect stuff. This is a photo that was taken at a co op the other day in the UK. I had no idea that it had gotten so bad. They actually put GPS trackers on pieces of beef now
1: um yeah uh (laughs) the the trouble is that those smaller shops don't have security on the door and they don't necessarily have the um uh the the barriers that scan you for for things Yeah. yeah so if you look at that i can't actually see any electronics in there at all? Maybe that that particular shop does a, have one it's of those the top. barriers it's at the top there. Oh, inside there, yeah. yeah. So it's a it's a security tag. But shoplifting is a problem, and it's always these smaller convenience stores that get hit hardest because they're they're right near where the the people live. So those individuals probably haven't got a car; they've they've walked there. So they'll, they'll go in and get a nice piece of. Well, that looks like rump, rump steak. steak to me. Yeah, it's rump steak. Have yeah, you seen one of these I, yet?
0: A GPS tag on, on beef?
1: Sometimes on the beef that I buy from shops like Asda, they will have those tags on and they have to be deactivated before yeah, yeah. I saw, as, as you leave.
0: I saw, I, I want to say it was in like a Sainsbury's. Uh, I want to I want to say that's what it was. They're actually, they're putting that security wrapping, you know, like that, that spider security wrapping. They're putting that on blocks of cheese now.
1: and And it will just get more and more like that because people will steal it. The more prices go up, the more a viable target, that block of cheese or that piece of leather, which I think rump steaks are, quite frankly, I mean, you know, nothing less than a ribeye or or, or a sirloin for me. But rump's okay for a bit of stewing, I suppose. Uh, I also wanted to,
0: uh, I wanted to play this uh, extinction rebellion, you know, because they're they're part of this as well, Marty. You talked about how they. Sometimes we'll go into these supermarkets, and I, I think you, you said one time they were going into the this um, this the meat section of a of a supermarket, and they were laying roses on cuts of meat that were in there in the in the coolers. Yeah. These are the famous ones that for uh, gluing themselves to the uh, you know whatever the hospital floor, jet liners, train carriages, roadways, that kind of thing. Putting themselves in crosswalks. The German extinction rebellion arm. They actually they got creative. They put that quick dry cement on their hands. In Berlin the other day, they, they decided they were going to cement their hands instead of gluing them. So you had the police out there with chisels and hammers, you know, little sledgehammers trying to get them off the, uh, the roadway. It was ridiculous. But this is in London just yesterday. Uh, this is, of course, doing the uh, the World Economic Forum's bidding on uh, a post-animal economy. This is them in supermarkets taking all the milk, all of the uh, the yogurt, all of the cheese, the butter... Uh, and everything else, the cottage cheese, sour cream, everything—they're taking it all off the shelves and they're dumping it. And they're sitting in front of the uh, the cheese sections, the dairy sections, the cooler sections where all of the animal and the meat sections where all of the animal products are. Uh, and they're keeping customers from going out. Uh, and this is, yeah, uh, th- this is going to be a uh, a campaign that's going to continue on for the next uh, sixty to ninety days that they're going to
1: to be a part of. <laughs> It's making me angry just just looking at it at, at this video. And as you say, you've got teenage, late teenage, early twenties young girls, young lads making this this protest, and the security guards are doing nothing. They're doing absolutely nothing. They're all being led by you know middle class, middle aged wackos basically that have have put this ideology into their heads and. They need to be taught a firm lesson. They need to to be you know pulled up short. First of all, um, they need to be drug out of the store. That's
0: the first thing, and they need to put the products. that well, that, that would back. that would That's be that
1: would be lesson one. That would be lesson one. Because if I, if I was in charge of that store, I'd I'd risk the jail time. I really would, and and get them out of there. They're wasting food. They're wasting people's time. But they've been misinformed. They have been misinformed. And they believe with all their hearts that they're doing the right thing. They're doing the only thing that's right for the planet. They're wrong, but someone needs to show them they're wrong. But step one would be that that sudden shock that, oh, hang on. I can't get away with doing this anymore. Please take your foot off the back of my neck, sir. That's what they should be woken up with, a really strong-armed out-you-go, sunshine, response to to that kind of protest inside a shop. These people are a bit of a hypocrite.
2: So when you go in and look into the arguments that these people make, uh, one of the arguments is that consumerism is bad, right? That's that's one of the things that they – consumerism is exploiting people, basically. Yet they go in and uh, dump all this product, take all the product, and, and stop people from – uh buying any other product which in this case this is life-sustaining product this is not about consumerism at this point except they just dumped a bunch of product that is only going to continue furthering more consumerism because now the, the store has to go and buy more product so it's just going to continue the consumerism trend so your your entire protest Yes, it did cost the store some money, but at the same time, you're just furthering a, a, a greater demand of this product. So in essence, you're a hypocrite. Uh you're you're just pushing
1: further the narrative. Yeah, and and they're, they're making it they're making it worse. I think we said some time ago when we were talking about Extinction Rebellion and other organizations, that what they should do is make their protest part of the solution, not part of the problem. And they haven't done that. They haven't achieved it. I had something really profound no, they, to say, but it slipped my-
0: No, you're fine. They, they just, they go out and they disrupt the normal flow of things, thinking that that's going to somehow get people on their side and it's going to get some kind of a result. And it's not. It's not helping your cause at all. All it's doing is pissing people off.
1: Yeah. Look, look look, at our cause. We, we've got a cause. Our cause is to expose all of this and, and, and prove to people how it's all interconnected. This is one of those divisive measures that will keep different parts of society from any kind of cohesion so that we can't stand against what's really happening. BLM divisive along racial lines. You've got Extinction Rebellion divisive along environmental lines. You've got all of these different sides of society. You've got religious divides. You've got, you know, sectarian arguments. And they're all stopping us from doing what we would rather do. And would be held up to the same judgment as those young people in that supermarket. Let's say the three of us. We're stood outside the front door of Davos right now. I've got to be very careful what I say here. But let's say we were, and we just happened to notice Klaus walking past. What would you want to do? You'd want to get a hold of him, wouldn't you? You'd want to get him well, away. I, I, from certainly his, from his... him <laughs> I certainly wouldn't buy him a coffee. I certainly wouldn't be doing you, you, that. You'd, you'd want to ask him some questions and you'd want some straight I would, answers. Yeah.
0: I would, really, like, honestly, I, that's that's the truth. I would really just say, hey, Klaus, can I talk to you for a minute? I have a couple of questions. Actually, more than a couple. He's but... not,
1: he, he, w- he wouldn't answer you in, no, in, no, in he those wouldn't. circumstances. you no. wouldn't get near enough. So you'd have to commit a crime to even get a chance to get some answers out of the man. I I use the word "man" very loosely there, and that's why those. Sorry, God.
0: No, I I was just going to say, take Avi Yemen. You know know who Avi Yemen is? Out of uh, yeah, I know Avi.
1: Well, I don't know him personally. I've got a lot of time for him.
0: Yeah, yeah. He was at Davos this year, and he caught up with uh, David Nabarro, who is a coordinator out of the UK to the World Health Organization, and he caught him just as he was walking past. In Davos to to another meeting, and he says, "Look, I got some questions for you here. Can you answer these questions?" And the guy stopped and said, "Okay, what I'm gonna actually, you know what? Let me just pull the video one sec because this is good. This, this goes to you, exactly to your point." While you're pulling the video, I'll, I'll just
2: throw this in here real quick. If we did exactly what those protesters were doing at the uh, that that grocery store, if you just sat in the way, impeded his movement, you're going to be met by armed guard that are going to pick you up and move you.
0: Yeah. This is, okay, so this is Avi catching up with uh, the WHO uh, COVID envoy in Davos. And th- this is exactly the type of answer that you would get from Upon High. Listen.
1: I'm an envoy on behalf of WHO. Avi Mini for Rebel News in Davos, Switzerland, at the World Economic Forum. Moments ago, I managed to track down one of the special
2: envoys for the WHO's response to COVID 19. Now,
1: I'm not going to put his full interview yet. Because I I hope viewers can understand, and I hope this is not cut out, that I've been ambushed in the street. And I'm responding to this gentleman's, I don't even know his name. I'm responding to his questions because I believe that it is my duty to attempt to communicate. I appreciate appreciate that. I don't mean to to be... We're just running fast, so that's why I I, I get it. I'm uh, late for a meeting. It's just that you are asking questions that I can't answer. right, thank you for your time. I I, I would like to say to those of you who are watching this, you know, I would be very happy to be Interviewed normally about this. Can I get it a copy? Ambushed. I don't have any cards oh, left. Where, where can I catch you to to, to continue this interview? <laughs> uh, let me just write it down, you. sir. So he never called
0: him for the interview. He never got another interview. And do you see the you see the, the type of response? He said, "It's my duty to attempt to communicate."
1: Yeah. And at the same time, it's his duty to attempt to say absolutely nothing of worth. If they didn't have something to hide, he could. you should be able to answer someone's question straight off. We've seen it all the more recently in the stuff I've seen televised from your, your Senate inquiries and stuff where people are saying, OK, tell me what a woman is. Do you believe this? Do you believe that? how much have you spent how much has your organization done for this and not one of the people who are there as witnesses or or people who have been they're, they're not under trial are they but they they they're there to give a no, testimony they are, they are under oath and if they're caught lying they are under too, oath but they, they cannot face they couldn't lie straight in bed they, they they can't give a straight no, answer
0: can't. to anything. Can't. No, it's just like Fauci. You know, he, he can't give a straight answer to anything either. He's going to be hauled back in before Congress again, and he's going to do his little song and dance and everything that he does up there, and nothing's going to get he answered. Needs, nothing's going to. He get, needs to be to so
1: careful because he he re, he resembles a worm so much that he may accidentally wind up in a you know a, a high protein insect burger at some point. <laughs> protein shake an
0: insect protein shake. Yeah we got some news today. Uh, we're not going to get into it today. We're going to talk about this on the exclusive, and this will be out for our regular listeners on Monday. Uh, Anthony Fauci is still funding Chinese military-run bio labs using US taxpayer money in China. Uh, and we do have receipts of that. We're going to talk about that uh, over the weekend. But uh, either one of you gentlemen have anything else for today?
1: No, no. Thank you very much. I think I've said all I need to say today. Again, not too coherent, I'm afraid. Um it's a, a bit of a mismatch of things but as i was saying to ned um who does research stuff and you guys do too most of what you hear from me is just opinion but it's opinion based on on quite a a, a broad experience of life and i i just hope we can uh continue to cut through the lies damn lies and statistics and actually present some some real facts like we have done tonight because it's it's straight from the horse's mouth. The ONS they show the results of the vaccination that more people, way more people, have died who have been double vaccinated and triple vaccinated or quadruple vaccinated than those who were unvaccinated during that period. So a difference of of, of around about two hundred to two blocks of four thousand people within a sixty-day period. Was it? Was it? A, yes, it was, wasn't it? Sixty days. Yeah. Um, same so, time period. you know, that's not been on the news. That's not been broadcast on mainstream media. And if the only way it's going to get out there is through, you know, podcasts like ours and other sources of non-mainstream um, information and news programs, then we've got to just keep doing it. So thanks. Now, that's, that's me done. Thanks a lot. Very good. We will
0: see you again next week, hopefully. I hope that you have a a wonderful weekend. I know you've got some special things lined up, and I hope it all goes well for you you and yours.
1: That's very kind of you. Thank you very much.
0: For those of you who would like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at at dynamicpodcast.protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. Do you know someone you're trying to wake up and get to think on their own, we would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Gentlemen, I want to thank you both for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday.